Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's a college football national championship game on Monday coming up between Georgia and TCU. Can't wait for that. We'll also talk about Florida State's rise back to prominence with Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times who covers college football for us in just a minute. Wanted to start with some Buccaneers news, if you will. So, you know, the Bucks have said that Tom Brady is going to start this game. They're going to try to play their starters. They haven't said for how long or which ones. I think health will be a big part of that. But while Brady may start, he may not finish the game. And Todd Bowles said on Wednesday that the next quarterback in, if there is one, will be Blaine Gabbert. He, of course, is their backup. He's the guy that the Bucks would put in in a playoff game or any situation if Tom Brady were to go down. So you can look for Gabbert to play. And, and then, if possible, if Gabbert goes out, you may see Kyle Trask, the former Florida quarterback that has been on this football team for two years now as the last pick of the second round a couple years ago. He has only dressed one other time for a game. He has not taken a regular season NFL snap. We had a chance to talk to Kyle Trask, who uh, you know continues to prepare, and he has gone this route, as we've mentioned before, both in high school, where he backed up De'Ara King and never started, and then in college, um, he was a backup for several years until Felipe, Felipe Franks got hurt and started really the, the better part of two seasons, and that was it. But every time he's done this, um, he has, you know, excelled. I mean, he's been very, very good and well-prepared, and so he's kind of taking the same path in the NFL. And, you know, I thought Todd Bowles, um, when given an opportunity to talk about Trask, really kind of gushed about him. Um, and in terms of his preparation, he said, listen, he said, this guy, since he's been here, every time I look out my window, he's out there working on something. He has the greatest resolve and toughness and inner strength of almost any person I've seen with a young guy coming out. That's the guy I praise. He prepares every day. And when his time comes, he's going to be ready because I see him working at it every day. He has inner toughness. He has inner strength. He has the drive and the will to win. So you put that all together, given the opportunity, I think he's going to take advantage of it. So high praise for Kyle Traskin. You know, we talked to Traskin. He continues to say, look, man, this has been my path. This has sort of been what I've been my whole career. And I'm comfortable doing it. I, I, you know, focus on myself and getting better. And he has gotten better. I asked him how he's gotten better. He talked about just, you know, the ability to get the team in and out of the huddle, the recognition of... Uh, the defensive fronts, getting guys lined up right to you know for the right blocking schemes and protection things, um, calling the plays, uh, recognizing what the defense is doing, and then uh, ultimately executing. And he's also gotten better physically. He's lost some weight, and he's a better athlete. He's better on his feet. Um, I, I think there's there's a lot of tangible things that you'll see when and if he gets a chance to play. We've only seen him in the preseason. He played a, an extended amount this past three preseason because they only had three games. And Brady really was limited to just the last game, maybe a series or two. 
Um, but yeah, so it'll be, you know, look good for Kyle Trask. If he can, you know, run out there uh, with the team, uh, that that's a step obviously, but it'd be really great if they could get him in a regular season game. And, and because Tom Brady's a free agent, man. And you know, whether he plays again at all or plays ever again or plays in Tampa or someplace else, Kyle Trask could find himself uh, sort of as that guy that the Bucks are going to uh, give an opportunity to to see if he can be their franchise quarterback. That's why they drafted him with the last pick in the second round. So that's going to happen at some point unless Brady just continues to play each and every year until Trask is, uh, it becomes a free agent. But um, he's in a good position, and certainly he's had a chance to learn from from the GOAT and absorb sort of how he prepares. So um, this could be a good week, you know, if the Bucks, especially if they're able to get sort of a lead on Atlanta. I don't think winning the game is necessarily the most important thing, although that's what they're that's why they're playing. They're trying to get their ninth win, avoid a losing season. Tom Brady's never had a losing season. Um, so they want to make sure they secure that and a little bit of rhythm and some momentum uh, to boot going into the postseason. But um, kind of a good time for, for Kyle Trask maybe to get some reps. Not a lot, but some. And that will be his reward for uh, you know for persevering through these last two seasons. Before we get to Matt, I wanted to talk to you guys about how you can save money on your electric bill. I'm sure it's going up. Everybody's is. It's called May Electric Solar. They're a family-owned and operated business. They've been installing solar electric systems for a dozen years now in the Tampa Bay area and abroad uh, in the state of Florida. In a field with all these fly-by-night companies, May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Think about that. Three decades, man. They take care of you. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That is what we call the May difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all their products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see what they're going to install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors, and that's important. All those guys up there are Billy Mays guys on the roof putting in those solar systems. So start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar. 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your life and your appliances. It's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. Best time of the week and maybe the best time of the year or certainly the best championship of the year for college football. We get a chance to talk to Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times. Matt, before we get to the national championship Let's talk a little bit about and uh, the, the semifinals, which were tremendous. I mean, I can't believe how how wonderful those were for a change, and TCU and all of that. Let, let's let's begin with the game that you were at um, earlier in the week, which was Florida State, who took down Oklahoma in a very entertaining game in Orlando, maybe closer than the Seminoles thought it would be. Um, but tell me what you thought of, of of that game, but also more importantly, where the Seminoles are right now. Are they back under Mike Norvell? Well, thanks for having me on, Rick. Uh, I don't know that they're back. I, I think they got to win a championship of, of some sort before mm-hmm. we can really declare them back. But you can see back from here. You know, the, the mm-hmm. thing that jumped out to me about the way FSU played, I, I hate writing about culture. I really try not to because it's so amorphous and intangible. Like you can't usually see it. I, I understand it's important. Chemistry matters, all, all that stuff. But I, mm-hmm. I don't like writing about it just because it's so hard. But I could see it in Orlando. Just the way they rallied, where they didn't play particularly well. 
And they found a way to make plays at the end. I mean, again, I think we talked about it beforehand, but um, who, who all was playing for Florida State? Were Jared Verse and Jamie Robinson two NFL prospects? You know, I saw a mock draft today from ESPN where Verse was, I think, the 11th overall pick, 12th pick, something like that. He didn't have to play, but he did. And, and not only did he play, he had you know, two and a half tackles for a loss and had a hand in the game ceiling sack. Um, you look at um, the way Jordan Travis has continued to progress and the, just the way uh, you know, Johnny Wilson's a guy that FSU fans, I think, were certainly frustrated with earlier in the year and early in that game because of some, some drops. But he ends up making big plays. Ryan Fitzgerald, a embattled kicker who really struggled for much of the year, ends up you know making the game-winning field goal. And just the way they kind of rallied around one of their offensive linemen, uh, Jazz Turrentine, who got hurt at the end of the game, the minute left, he was a guy who came in as a transfer, just one year patch. And the way you know he had just a you know awful leg injury, and you hope he's okay. But the way all the pretty much every player left the bench to go over and kind of pat him on the helmet, that sort of thing, you could see the culture that Mike Norvell has spent three years building. You could see it all come together in a game that you know it was a big game for Florida State to, to get to ten wins. And I don't think they're going to finish in the top ten, but they're going to have at least a decent shot at it and be in that conversation. So to put things together that way at the end of the year. I thought that was just an impressive performance for the team and just the program and where it has come. Yeah, and and, and you know they they obviously have a quarterback. They have some uh, offensively. They can put up some points. Um, where do, where does Norvell sort of build on this culture, if you will, um, and and sort of where do they need to improve to take that next step and maybe win a championship? The defense is the main thing. You know, the offense it's there. Right. You know, obviously, they can get better here and there. They're going to have mm-hmm. to replace at least a couple starters on the offensive line. And, and they've recruited well through the portal to kind of patch that up. But the defense has some issues um, in particular. There are too many times you know, against Oklahoma, against um, Wake Forest that comes to mind where they just couldn't get off the field. Third and eight, third and 12, third and 15, and they find a way to give something up. Um, it was better than what it was in 2021. But if we're talking about a team that can win the ACC next year, and I'm going to have to talk myself potentially out of, of picking them at this point, I think they're going to be really good, then mm-hmm. that's something that's going to have to improve. Um, short yardage situation is another one where you know Florida State could run the ball very well and did throughout much of the season. But third and one, fourth and two, that type of situation, they, they kind of struggled. Uh, th- that was a weakness all year in, in the kicking game as well. So those are kind of some of the issues where – if Florida State's going to make that next step, they're going to have to do that. Um, yeah, I think they're going to have to think about some potential staff changes. Um, just continuing to progress on the offensive line so you can get that push that you need in just a couple more pieces. But look, from where Florida State was at the start of the year, where I didn't know if Mike Norvell was going to be the guy. I didn't know what the future held. To now, where, like I said, I'm going to think about them in the top 10 in my final AP Top 25 ballot. As we sit here today, I think they're going to win the ACC next year. I mean, don't hold me to that. There's a lot that's going to happen between now and then. But Florida State's going to Florida State is clearly on the right track, and that's something I did not expect to say, and I wouldn't have said in, in August for sure. Um, but as we sit here today, they're they're absolutely in a really good place right now, and FSU fans should be excited. Yeah, uh, certainly. 
It's been a, a quick rise, I think, considering that uh, not long ago they were dealing with COVID and all of that in, in Norvell's first year. So he certainly uh, got them headed in the right direction, which I think, you know, the state of Florida football, college football should be good in it. And it certainly is uh, headed upward that way. Um, let me ask you about uh, the the national semifinal games, which – and specifically – I mean, I think you would say this was an upset. Look, I I thought Michigan was a better football team. There was a lot of talk about how their offensive line was going to lean on TCU, which which plays that um, you know three three front, uh, if you will, and and Michigan did that when they started the game. They came down, they ran the football all the way down there, and then I think Jim, Jim Harbaugh might have lost his mind with the Philly special. I think things went <laughs> south right after that, but certainly some some really tough calls, some. Close calls for Michigan that didn't go their way, and yet the Horn Frogs are in the national championship. What do you make about the way TCU has navigated this and found themselves playing for that? Yeah, so that's that's a really good question, and to me, it's kind of the most interesting one about this national title game, and it leads into something uh, Scotty said on Twitter, which is why I wanted to make sure we got to this. But basically, why is TCU in this position if they don't have enough dudes? Uh, I, I don't know that I've mentioned dudes before on this podcast, but um, <laughs> usually the team that has the most dudes wins, right? When I say yeah. that, I always say uh, uh, usually most of the time there's always a qualifier in there. So mm-hmm. why is TCU in this position? Because you know, Georgia, I think it's the number two most talented team in the country, according to the 24-7 composite, them in Bama, of course. Um, TCU is down at 32. So what gives. And I think there's a couple explanations here. Um, I do think stars are still important. Stars matter. A five-star will typically outperform a four-star, will typically outperform a three-star. There's exceptions, but that's still going to be typically the case. Um, the, the most boring explanation for how this happened is the industry, the recruiting industry, um, undervalues transfers. Um, just because of the way port- the portal has changed over the last couple of years, for a while, everybody, you know, if you were in the portal, you were in the portal for a reason. And, you know, maybe that five-star at a high school is not really a five-star anymore. I don't know that that's quite the same. Um, where I think the industry needs to do a better job of kind of evaluating transfers. Um, and I'll give you a, a good example to kind of make my point here. Sam Hartman, uh, obviously the, the Wake Forest quarterback, all-time leading touchdown passer in the history of the ACC. If you took Sam Hartman's rating in the transfer portal, according to 247, and put him in the 2023 recruiting class, he would be the number 12 quarterback, just based on Mm. the evaluation. I'm going to go out on a limb and say I would rather have Sam Hartman quarterbacking my team for 2023 than just about any of, I mean, maybe Arch Manning, but everybody else on that list, just because I know what Sam Hartman is. He's an excellent college football player. He's accurate. Mm-hmm. He can run. He can run you know, one at a high level, one big games. I would want him on my team. So if that's the way the evaluation system is now, right now, I think it needs to change. And TCU has been, again, if you look at the numbers, they've been hurt by that in terms of the, the kind of talent index because they've got uh, 14 guys that they brought in this past cycle who were transfers. So here's the point. Here's the interesting thing. I want to know if this, the way TCU built themselves is a one-time thing or it's a viable model for the future. 
again, TCU brought in 13 transfers under Sonny Dykes, and they had somebody else committed before that. Those guys include the starting center, uh, number one tackler, number two tackler, and an all-conference cornerback. You add them up, transfers this year have, have contributed 250 tackles, including 25 for a loss for TCU. You take one or two of those guys out, TCU's not in this position. Um, and they're the first team in the portal era to really do this, right? Because you look at who wins national championships, Bama, Clemson, LSU, they will, uh, Georgia, they will get transfers here and there. You know, Joe Burrow coming from Ohio State to, to LSU. Um, you know, there's a, a defensive back for Georgia from West Virginia. They'll get guys here and there, but most of their roster, most of their contributors high school rankings from top five classes. TCU is different. So to me, it's going to be a measuring stick of can TCU, can this blueprint work for other teams? And I say that because there's one in this state, Florida state that is building their program very similarly where they're not recruiting at the Georgia, Bama, Ohio state level. But as we sit here today, Florida state's got the number one transfer recruiting class in the country for the top 26 transfers in this cycle according to 247 so and then you add in kind of the other stuff tcu has a veteran offensive line florida state's o-line might have somewhere along the line of 167 stars next year among their top six guys you add in a really good quarterback max duggan at tcu jordan travis at florida state you can see some parallels there between what norvell is building at florida state and what happened with sunny dykes and tcu this year so i just i'm just curious to see how whether TCU can continue this because I'm almost done with my long rant here. Hear me out. The other side is that TCU got kind of lucky, right? I, I'm not saying they're a fluke because they're not, they're a really good team, but you look at the way that semifinal against Michigan happened where like you mentioned the Philly special. Okay. So Michigan gets queued on fourth and goal and it fails. You look at the long pass where it was. Yeah. Yeah. Like was, was that, it looks like a touchdown to me. They overturn it. That can go either way. And then there's a fumble on the next play. Yeah. So those are two lucky breaks. Then you look at two pick sixes that TCU scored. So yeah. if your model, if your model to win a playoff game is have Michigan brain fart inside the 10, have them a, a touchdown overturned. So to lead to a fumble at the goal line and then have two pick sixes to win a one score game. That's not going to happen very often. Um, 28 points. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So TCU is clearly a very good team, but they also got some fortunate breaks to get here. So this is going to be, the the title game is going to be another test of, can they play with a team that is on paper significantly more talented? And if so, does that show that there's another path to build a national championship contender that isn't the way Georgia's doing it, Ohio State's done it, Alabama's done it, and honestly, the way Florida wants to do it under Billy Napier. Speaking of Florida, and it, it, along those same lines, I, I would think that they would be watching this and, and, and doing exactly that. And they, they brought in a quarterback that I've watched a little bit at Wisconsin and Graham Mertz. Look, this guy was a was a many stars attached to his name coming out as well. So it looks like it looks like Billy's not shy about trying to get some talent in there that way, too. Right. And you look at some of the key contributors the Gators had this year. Arguably their best player was Osiris Torrance, the offensive guard uh, who came with Billy from Louisiana. Montrell Johnson, fantastic running back from Louisiana. Uh, Ricky Pearsall was by far the Gators' top receiver this year from Arizona State. So he did it in spots last year. And it's going to be really interesting to see how he does the rest of this kind of recruiting cycle. Obviously, the 
traditional signing day uh, a month from now in February. And then the, this portal window and the next portal window uh, after spring ball, it just how active is he going to be? Because his blueprint is the Georgia Bama model where almost everybody on the roster is going to be a high school guy that we recruit, we evaluate, we want for three to five years. Um, but with the way Florida is just the, the talent level and everything that might not be the best, uh, the best Avenue. And considering Billy hasn't been able to win enough of the big time recruiting battles yet. So that's going to be a very interesting thing just to see with how his approach changes or doesn't change in the next few months. And then next year as well. Well, it, it is, it is going to be interesting. And I wonder how many teams like a TCU can find themselves uh, at this level. And of course, eventually they're going to expand. Well, sooner than later, it seems um, the national college playoffs. So that, that will also uh, present more opportunity. The Georgia Ohio state game, one of the, one of the wildest ones I've watched uh, high level of offense for sure. And it comes down, of all things, uh, to a 50-yard field goal attempt that was missed by Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles, who is from right down the street here at Steinbrenner. I felt bad for the kid, but I still felt that Ohio State had a chance to get it closer for him. They did not. So, listen, I, I, don't, know, I don't know what more uh, you could expect. I mean, Ohio State going against that Georgia defense and putting up that many points um, what did you make of this game? And um, we'll we'll talk about Georgia, obviously, in the national final. Yeah, so uh, thinking, you know, going back to that field goal for a second, uh, the, the long snapper, by the way, was from Carol Wooday. Um, wow. So I was thinking to myself, okay, if they make this, that's that's what I'm writing this week. That's the main thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to talk to as many people <laughs> as possible who knew these two Hillsborough County players who sent Ohio state to the national championship game. And, and it, it didn't yeah. work out that way. I, I thought Ohio state acquitted themselves very well. All things considered um, the Michigan game was a dud for them. It absolutely was give Michigan credit, but Ohio state did not play well in that game. And it right. weirdly, but deservedly led to questions about Ryan day um, just because they played so uptight and they, they've struggled to win some of the biggest ones. And, but, but after Georgia, I don't think anybody can say that like, no, get rid of Ryan. I mean, there's going to be some crazies out there, of course, but you can't be too upset with Ryan Day. He he took a team in Ohio State that played their whole year without their most talented receiver, best receiver, and, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Played too much of the year without obviously, or arguably their top running back Travion Henderson, and found a way to get you know have have a chance to beat the most one of the top teams in the country in Georgia. So. No, it did not go their way, but you play that game out several, play that game a hundred times. Ohio State had a chance in there. And I, I know the standard is not to have a chance. The standard is to win. Um, but I go back to what I said about Georgia a couple times over the years. The way Georgia recruited, eventually it was going to break right, right? Or go back to, what was it, 2017, and they lost on second and 26 to Alabama from the national championship. Well, right. the, if Georgia kept recruiting at a top five level, getting dudes upon dudes upon dudes, eventually you're going to have it right where the injury mm -hmm. luck goes your way and not the other way. You know, that weird balance goes your way and not the other way and, and things will break right. And obviously it has for Georgia. And I think if, if Ohio State's able to keep recruiting at a high level, this, this 23 class is a little bit down from usual, but still pretty strong. If they continue to do that, they're going to have a chance to win a national championship down the line. They're 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 still too talented to to be counted out. 
Yeah, no, I listen, I and I don't know what Ohio State fan thinks of Ryan Day. He certainly was fired up beyond belief in that game. Talk about emotion. Um he had it going. And and they had a tough break too. Losing Marvin Harrison Jr. I think was yep. was difficult um to the concussion. Who knows what happens, but C.J. Stroud played great, probably made himself some money in the NFL draft. The big winners are Chicago Bears because they now have the second overall pick, don't need a quarterback, but guess what? Now I think mm-hmm. that C.J. Stroud doesn't fall below number two, so um, that, that's certainly going to help. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So, Georgia versus TCU in the final, defending national champions. It's hard to go back-to-back. Can they pull this off, or does TCU have a puncher's chance, even though they had to have a lot of breaks go their way to beat Michigan? Yeah, I do think TCU has a chance, um, just because, again, they're really good. When you look at the, the kind of – I hate that this scrappy is not fair to them, but you, the, the teams that overperform their recruiting rankings, uh, you look at those teams over the years – They've got a really good quarterback. You know, I'm thinking to to Oregon under Marcus Mariota, where they were a good team, but not the most talented. But they had a Heisman Trophy yeah. winning quarterback as number two pick in the draft, and and, and they played above expectations. Uh, the 2010 Auburn team, right, which was not an elite team, but had one of the best quarterback performances of ever in terms of what Cam Newton did that year. So yeah. uh, Max Duggan, if he can play out of his mind. With with how tough he is and everything, they'll have a chance. Um, but if you're asking me to pick, I think it's still Georgia. Um, I, I, I covered a game, Rick, um, where it was a, a team that was kind of the whole team of destiny thing. TCU kind of feels like that, where they won, I don't know, a half dozen games where didn't feel like they should win, but you look at the final score, Horn Frogs are up. Um, but that that team of destiny ran up against a team that had a bunch of dudes, and I know how it ended. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of the 2013 national championship game. Um, Auburn was the, was the team of miracles that year, right? Where they had the, the prayer at Jordan Hare, where it long downfield pass bounces off of a Georgia guy downfield, so the Auburn guy can catch it for a long touchdown. And that wasn't the most memorable uh, rivalry game that year because uh, the kick six happened, and everybody goes in thinking Auburn's this team of miracles and destiny, and then Jameis Winston does Jameis Winston things and hits Kelvin Benjamin in the end zone and, and Florida state wins. So that's kind of what's in my mind here where give TCU a bunch of credit for getting here. I'm not trying to pat them on the head and say, Oh, that's cute. You little horn frogs. No, they're a really good team. The problem is that Georgia l- sure looks like a great team. And I still think the team with the most dudes usually wins. Uh, TCU has 17, four or five star prospects on their roster. Georgia has 15, five stars. So George has almost as many five stars as TCU has blue chip guys in general. I think in the end that's going to win out, but I do think TCU has got a chance to to find a way to to make it interesting, and I certainly hope that happens. Yeah, I hope it's a good national championship. He's he wasn't a five star, but where or oh where will Stetson Bennett fall in Georgia lore 
if he's able <laughs> at 25 uh, to pull off back-to-back national titles. Wow. I mean, that's on the short list of most beloved figures in the history of Georgia. I mean, Herschel Walker. That's um, right. Vince Dooley. Political <laughs> views, I suppose. Vince Dooley, right. And, and there's not going to be a whole lot other than him. Um, and wow. He played. He played really well the other night. Um, he because did. He's, he did. He's. He's. Uh, we talked about it before the title game last year. I had questions about whether he was going to be able to make the national championship winning throw, and he did to Ad Mitchell. That that ended up being a huge one. You look at the way mm-hmm. he played against Ohio State. He played extremely well. And, yeah. and no, he is still not the most talented player out there. He's not a five star. Blah 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 blah. But he's a really good player and does exactly what Georgia needs. And there haven't been a lot of quarterbacks lately who have been the whole game manager thing and gotten it done at this level. But he's one of them, and with, with a chance to do something historic. Well, it you know it's a player's game. Players make plays. I will say, knowing him, I think that, um, and knowing Todd Munkin, I mean, I, I think that Stetson Bennett has has benefited from a really good offensive coordinator who has put him in great positions, knowing his limitations um, and the strength of that team. They've done a terrific job on offense. And, again, they're known for their defense, obviously, but um, they've got some dudes on the offensive side, too. And and Bennett has managed it great. So I don't know when or if Todd Munkin will get a head coaching job down the road. Certainly nobody, including USF, wanted to hold the door open for him. Um, But there's going to come a time when – he's going to get recognized for what they've done. You can't win back-to-back national titles and no one notice you have a pretty good play caller, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, he, he's done a fantastic job, deserves plenty of accolades for you know handling the other side while Kirby handles a, a defense. And you know, the offense, I think, has been better this year overall. And you, you yeah. mentioned just kind of the, the, the players on offense. That, that brings me to one other thing I wanted to touch on. Yeah. Because to me, what separates the, the great elite teams from the, the next tier, and it kind of in some ways separated Georgia from Ohio State the other night, is Devontae Smith. And, and here's what I mean by that. Uh, hmm. go, go back to the national championship of, uh, of Georgia-Bama, the first one in Atlanta, where it's second and 26, Tua throws a long touchdown pass, and it was 41 yards to Devontae Smith. At the time, mm-hmm. Devontae Smith was not Heisman Trophy winner, first-round pick, freaking you know, best receiver I've seen with my own eyes. He was not that. He was... A fresh, a really skinny freshman who's a top 200 recruit, but he was, and he was you know, fourth receiver on that team, fifth receiver, whatever it was. And but George or Alabama's fourth or fifth receiver ended up winning the Heisman because that's how they stack dudes upon dudes, and, and that's the way it worked. And I go back to Georgia too the other night, where you know one of the biggest plays was a guy was from a guy named Arian Smith, who I think has something like 11 career catches. Zero touchdown catches this year This year, going into the game. He's fast as heck. He's been banged up, but he's fast as heck. Streaks on his 76-yard touchdown that kind of changes the game. And mm. that's what Georgia has, where maybe you can take away the number one guy. Maybe you can take away number two and three. But they're still going to have somebody. They're four, they're five, they're backup yeah. tight end. Whatever it is, it's still going to be really, really good and a matchup problem for you. And that's what separates... Um, Georgia and, and and Bama from kind of the rest. Um, and just one other thing on Arian Smith. Do you know where he was from, by the way? Mm. Uh, Polk County. 
he uh, was finished his high school career in Lakeland. He played seven on seven for Team Tampa, and he is one of a dozen Georgia players on Georgia's roster, including a half dozen guys who played in the semifinal who are from Florida that the state of wow. Florida let get away. I think we've discussed that on the show before, but that's a problem that is we're going to keep talking about it because it is still a problem where you look at uh, Jalen Carter going to be a top five pick on the defensive line guy from Apopka that the big three couldn't take. You look at uh, Kenny McIntosh, the, the leading rusher for, for Georgia. He was from South Florida. Miami offered him a scholarship as an eighth grader and his brother played at Miami. He ends up going to Georgia. Um, you look at Marvin Jones Jr., who had a quarterback hurry the other night as a freshman against Ohio State. He's a Florida State legacy. Dad's in the College Football Hall of Fame from FSU. Right. Goes to Georgia. So when I, I keep talking about this because it's, I think it's arguably the most important story in, in Florida college football. The state continues to lose those type of recruiting battles. Maybe there were some marginal gains this past class, but they keep losing those type of recruiting battles, and teams like Georgia keep winning them. And that's why Georgia's four quarters away from another national championship. It really is remarkable. The state of Florida has so much talent, and if they could just keep them home, which is what they used to do, um, they would be winning national championships again. As you say, Matt Baker, it's always about the dudes. Our dude for college football and all things college, for that matter, is Matt Baker. And you can read him in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. The national championship game is Monday. Can't wait for it. Me neither. Thank you, Rick. All right, again, my thanks to Matt Baker. We're going to preview the Bucks at Atlanta on Sunday, 1 o'clock. Should be a good one. We'll see how Bucks uh, go after this and try to play their starters and hopefully don't get anybody injured. And then, of course, it's the College Football National Championship. That's going to be on Monday, so we'll talk to you about that as we look back at the Bucks and the Falcons uh, for Monday morning. Thanks for listening. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.